Today's program is brought to you by Brooklyn Slate Company, a manufacturer of slate cheese boards, coasters, and other fine items. For more information, visit brooklynslate.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome back to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, coming to you on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is episode nine, the last of the single digits, people. We are collectively reaching a milestone. With me in the studio today is John Steinberg. Hi, everybody. Hi. John is launching a brand new vineyard, and we are going to talk wine life momentarily. First, I wanted to tell you that next week's show is going to be... Really something else. Sean DeTore of the Mixtape Podcast, as well as TBTL, my very favorite podcast out of Seattle that I've gushed about on air before. Sean and I are going to be resurrecting a segment called Cooking with Sean DeTore, in which Sean, who is in Seattle, is going to cook live on the air while I am here in the studio in Brooklyn, and he's going to teach us all how to make a mystery Thanksgiving side dish by next week. It may or may not have a name. Um... You never really know what to expect with Sean, and that's why I'm really looking forward to it. I'm super excited. He is also going to help answer your listener questions. So if you've got a Cooking with Sean DeTore question, call it into the voicemail, 862-242-8599. And I'm considering doing this as a drunk dial edition because, I don't know, it sounds like fun. Um, and as it is the holidays, all of which will go more smoothly with a glass of wine. So if you have one or two questions or one or two glasses of wine, call my voicemail, 862-242-8599. Drunk dial me, drunk dial Shondatori. The lawyers outside the window are telling me to say not too drunk, funny drunk, not sad I love you man drunk, not I'll call you some other time drunk, just just a little like fun drunk, so. And you can always uh, tweet your questions at me at ChefMLEP, Facebook.com forward slash sharp and hot. And there's no such thing as a dumb question. So next week, if you're holding out on your dumb question being too dumb, next week would be the week to ask the dumbest of the dumb questions. Okay. Now, without further ado, John Steinberg, owner of Hand of God Winery, all the way from Argentina, is here with me in the studio. And he has brought bottles of wine with him. Hi, John. Hi. Yeah. I I thought it would be appropriate to talk and drink. Drink and talk. That sounds amazing. I was I was giving a talk last night. I went to Stanford and, and had sixty alum and, and the caterer said to me, Where should we put the spit buckets? I <gasps> said, No, 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 no. This is not a tasting. This is a <laughs> drinking. <laughs> There's no need for spit buckets with this crowd. <laughs> well, not, not quite as bad as sideways. We're not going to recycle, but but uh, yeah, no. Can can I can Please? I offer you a little wine? I would love some wine. We have two wines today. In okay. fact, that's all I have in this country right now. We'll have okay. five eventually. But um, you know, I started seven years ago. I'll tell you about that. But we launched just weeks ago, so it's pretty exciting. That's You're one exciting. of the very few on the East Coast to try it. Now, I have a blend. And I have a old vine, hundred percent Malbec. Which one would you like to start with? The blend has a little Syrah and Petit Verdot along with the Malbec. I will defer to your expertise. Oh. I would like to try both. Oh. So if you want to give them to me in the order that you want to present them, I will take them that way. Okay, perfect. Okay, let's start with the blend. Perfect. And while you pour that, I'll tell you a funny story. I was at a winery out on the east end of Long Island, 
in the middle of the winter, and we were on the South Fork, which is also known as the Hamptons. And uh, as I'm talking to the wine guy, it's just me, my husband, and him. Thank you. Uh, he, the wine guy reaches over to grab what I think is a spit bucket, and he lifts the lid, and I, I go like, and I spit my wine. And as I look, I realize it was a jar of crackers. <laughs> <laughs> and happily, there weren't like 50 other people standing at the tasting, in the tasting room, but I was mortified. So well, cheers. Cheers. And uh, maybe, maybe that's how wine crackers got started. I know. <laughs> I, you got chocolate at, in my peanut butter. He looked at me like, oh, I'll get you a spit bucket. <laughs> It was a little mortifying. So, so um, color. Mm-hmm. Look at the color, right? One of the nice things about wine is that it actually brings you to the present. Okay. And I always encourage people to look. And Malbec is so lovely because it's so deep and plummy and dark. I mean, it's often called the black fruit. It is. And I will say to the listeners, this is one of the most opaque wines I've ever looked at. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that I've looked at a lot of wines. Uh, I've done more than look, I would guess. <laughs> and so, go ahead. T- talk a little bit about the nose. Oh, not yet. I know, yes, I didn't sip. I was all... Ah, I, was like, she almost, I, I stopped her before she got there. Okay, so I'm get, I am getting very dark, rich. I get, yeah, very plummy, very jammy. Little, little zesty. Yeah. Yeah. It smells yeah. like refreshing almost for a red wine, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm, unusual. Mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. Can I taste it now? Oh, please. Okay. I mean, I, oh, I'm, I'm getting a little chocolate, too. Yes. Getting a little chocolate. Yes. Mm. Oh, that's delicious. It is chocolatey. It is, right? Mm. And the thing we wanted to do with this wine, and uh, you can tell me if it works that way for you, is we wanted a wine that actually was about mouthfeel. You know, a lot of wines hit you, and then yeah. they just stop. Right. No, this is good. This this, is... this has the foreplay all the all the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah. And and even the finish. I mean, literally, you can feel it in your throat, or I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I never like to speak for other people. I had to have another sip to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. that's delicious, and it's not. Um, it's not walloping me on the head with fruit. It's not mm. like this big jam bomb, and we don't have any. I mean, I have some beef jerky, but. Um, we don't have like a real meal, and I could totally see drinking this as like a winter cocktail wine. This is a fun wine. People, first of all, it's a blend that you don't often see, mm-hmm. even more so out of Argentina. Is Ma- Petit Verdot? That's the one that they call the furry, the green mm-hmm. furry monster. Mm-hmm. Or something? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and so we don't use it. It's about ten percent okay. of that. Uh, but what's fun about this wine is, uh, I've had people say to me, you know, I actually only drink Pinot Noir. Which, of course, I think that's so sad <laughs> in so many ways. I love Pinot. Yeah. Don't get Burgundy and Pinot. Lovely, lovely. But the wine world is so full of lovely. Uh, but I say, okay, well, you know, I, I've had people say that to me. Why don't you just try this wine? And literally afterwards they said, I only drink Pinot and now I drink this too. <laughs> Well, that's good. They added it to the they list. They did. I feel like I'm expanding people's horizons. Yeah. I, um, I've made um, a career in getting men to drink rosé. And people do not say, I don't like sweet wine. I've like worked wow, really good. hard this to is, try to change some perceptions. Change the world one person one at a person time. At, one wine drinker one at a time. One glass at a time. <laughs> so tell me your life story. How did, you, how did you get to be here with these wines in front of me? Well, um, you know, it's funny. I am not very good with rules. And I'm not very good with structure. And I'm not very good with the straight and narrow path. And my life has always been about 
what's down that alley, right? And every year I try and leave the United States of America just for a little perspective on this country and my life. And it happened in 2007 that Argentina was on that list. And I said, I, I, people are talking about it, and I've heard great things about it. I had spent a lot of time in Asia uh, after college, but I never really spent time in South America, and I just had to go. And what I often do is when traveling to a new place, I reach out and I looked at my LinkedIn and my Facebook and alumni directories, and I reached out to a guy by the name of Santiago Achavo. And uh, he and I actually overlapped at business school at Stanford. And so he was nice enough to say to me, why don't you come over for a glass of wine? I had never been to Mendoza, which is the wine region there. And I didn't even realize it's actually a flight from Buenos Aires. So it's not actually like going from San Francisco to Napa. Okay. It's a little little bit further. It's across the country. It's not terribly far. It's an hour and a half flight. But it's on the other side. It's next to the Andes Mountains. It's on the west side of the country uh, next to Chile. Okay. And anyway, Santiago, I think we said let's meet at 11 o'clock. And as I was preparing for meeting him, I did a little research and found out this guy's the shit. I mean, <laughs> he actually like was winning award after award and making great wine, and I had no idea. And wow, he's taking time out. It's very nice of him. So we get there, and we sit down, and we have a glass of wine. And then we had two glasses of wine. <laughs> and then we had a bottle of wine. And then we had a couple of bottles of wine, which thankfully, at which point he said, why don't we have a barbecue? Or in Argentina, that's called an asado. Okay. And it's, it's beautifully simple in concept. It's a grill and meat and some grilled vegetables. And guess what? Sounds like Sunday at my house. Yeah, well, <laughs> they do it every Sunday. That's in great. fact, it is. It's great. It's simple. It's beautiful. And the, the beef there is fantastic. And we're sitting there drinking this perfectly paired wine with this incredible, simple, beautiful asado. And I had an epiphany. People in the wine business love to talk about terroir. I'm so happy I can even say the word now. It like, took me years to, <laughs> before I felt comfortable enough to even say the word. And, uh, but I never really understood what the concept was. I understood the definition. I didn't understand it in practice. So Santiago makes three what he calls finca wines, estate wines, vineyards that are distinct but all in Mendoza. And if you line those three wines up and taste them, it is as if you're going to three different countries, worlds, places, and yet they're just showing the expression of the dirt from which they arose. How many miles would you say are between them, approximately? 20. Oh, wow. Okay. 15. Yeah. Right. But wildly different. Right. Some more feminine, some more masculine, some more fruit forward, but all elegant, all balanced all wines that you just want to shut your eyes and savor. And really for me, I said, okay, you've expressed to me now what wine can be. Was he looking for a partner? Was he? Or oh, gosh, he no. Like- no. So he had started, so good question. He started a winery. So like myself, we both went to Stanford and we both fell in love with the concept of wine through Napa Valley. Stanford's an hour and a half uh, from the wine area in California there. Okay. And we, I went, when I was an undergrad at Stanford, I went out there for the first time. Um, and, well, 
let's just say they didn't have tasting fees back then. So it was a. <laughs> so I think our fraternity buses lined Highway 29. But I really fell in love with the beauty of the place, and 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 Santiago coming from Mendoza, uh, also fell in love with wine and Napa. Also being at Stanford, and when he went back, he had never been in the wine business. He was an engineer and worked for a cement company. Oh, wow. But he turned to his wife and he said, "I actually, what I want to do is get into the wine business. It's quite a story. He hired a very famous Italian winemaker consultant, Roberto Cipresso, and he read every book he could read, and he has a great instinct for these things, and he's meticulous, and he created some ways of making wine uh, that others just hadn't been doing. And it's if I had to boil down the summary, it's get out of the way. Right, yeah. right. Let the fruit. It's not doctoring it. It's not trying for a certain outcome. It's doing what the fruit is allowing it to be done when you get out of the way. And and there's actually a really good book my friend Ian Mount wrote called The Vineyards at the End of the World, where he talks. There's about 15 pages on Santiago's madness oh, cool. and methodology. It's fun to read that. But so he wasn't looking for a partner. He had a successful winery, Achavo Ferrer. As we sat down and had that asado, and we had the wine. I said, you know, Santiago, this is crazy, but if I bought some land, would you make the wine? He said, yeah, that sounds like fun. And hence, Hand of God was born. Where's the name from? Where'd you get the name? So I get that. The number one question I get is, how did you get in the wine business? (laughs) And I figured out it's lifestyle pornography for people. Totally. It, like everyone's like, oh, it sounds so romantic. Yeah. If we had enough time today, I could dispel a lot of that for you, but we don't have to go there. But the but the second question I get all the time is, why the name? What's the name? And what's fun about the name? As I thought about this business, I thought it's interesting. If you take people who consume wine on a regular basis, knowledgeable, educated people, and you say to them, "Tell me what your favorite wine is." Most people really struggle with that question. If they come up with an answer at all, I'll then say, well, tell me three things about that winery. Who's the winemaker? What's their style? Why do they do the things they do? And yet, if you think about your favorite consumer products, you can answer questions like that. Wine is this weird outlier that is intimidating and mystifying and Black letter type on German wine bottles. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just unapproachable in so many ways. So so Hand of God is really fun because it starts a conversation. Yeah. Right? And so what I often say to people, and I'm going to do it to you, what do you think of the name? What comes up for you? Are you a religious zealot? Is that what comes up for you? It's a good question, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll actually answer the question. <laughs> well, my fir- that was my first thought was maybe it has, you know, that you have some strong roots in a religious uh-huh. upbringing, and uh-huh. you were, but also that if you take the sort of religiosity away, right. I can imagine standing on, you know, mm-hmm. the edge of the mountains, mm-hmm. looking over this mm-hmm. beautiful snow, you know, ca- and, and saying like, yeah, this this is the hand of God, taking away any sort of... You nailed it. Zealous I mean, Christianity. <laughs> it, so so uh, it's really interesting. When I went to purchase this vineyard in Argentina, I had that moment where I physically felt different, where I felt something bigger than me. Those mountains at 20,000 feet 
as my backdrop had a lot to do with it. It's just a special place. That's the hand of God for me. But that's not the only thing. God is a multi-layered concept, and the hand of God is the magic in that glass. You know, I am likely, if you believe the historical weather trends, to lose one crop every seven years to hail. That's really scary. Right, yeah. That's also the hand of God, right? Wine is such an interesting product. It's not Starbucks. It's not McDonald's. It's not Frito-Lay. It's not the same. It's dynamic. And that's, we mostly haven't embraced that. But that's the hand of God too, right? Yeah. But but I, I want to just say one more yeah, thing. Yeah, no, I go can. ahead. All of that is, is really nice, and, and all of it's really personal, and it's part of my passion. But I haven't told you the story that will now allow you to remember the name forever. Okay. What Do you know what the world's largest religion is? Hinduism? So it's about a tie between Christianity and Islam. Okay. <laughs> no. At about a billion so one no, each. No, I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so, but, but then I say to you, no, that actually isn't the answer. And the answer is soccer <laughs> with two and a half billion fans. Yep. One of the things in making Hand of God wines was to create the embodiment for creating memories and to show passion and to be part of passionate moments. Hand of God for an Argentine is the most important moment in their life if they were of age in 1986, when Diego Maradona scored a goal against England when Argentina won the World Cup. However, the goal was off his hand, and they didn't have instant replay, so everybody but the referee saw that it was off his hand, and afterwards the journalist said, Diego, that went off your hand. And he said, no, 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 that went off the hand of God. Oh, that's a great story! <laughs> right, and, and literally... People who are soccer fans look at the name and immediately smile. Sure. And everybody else, I've told the story a thousand times, and I still get chills because it's so much fun yeah, to tell. Yeah, yeah. And did you know that story in yeah. choosing the name? Yes. Okay. Well, absolutely. Come, no one said it to you afterwards. Like, oh, by the way. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> but it's it it captures it. It's of course about that vineyard and the beauty, but it's also about this amazing moment. Right. And that's you know, there's a lot of great wine in the world. What we want to do is create the context for creating those moments. That's awesome. There's the great line that you mentioned sideways when um, they go back to the blonde lady's house and she holds up the bottle and she's like, it's a living thing. And that, that has always resonated with me um, that it's true. It is this like living, breathing thing. And that is so romantic. And I can get like wistful talking about wine in a way that I don't get about like soccer. I mean, I could, and then I get it. No, no. <laughs> and I dated a European. I totally understand. <laughs> well, and, and I have to say, now that I'm in this business and now that I'm doing business in Argentina, I thought we were a passionate people. I'll tell you one quick story, if I can, just to give okay. you a sense of Argentina. I'm at, it's a 10 to 7 on a weekend night, and I'm coming back into Buenos Aires. And we're at the toll booth, and it's just 20 cars deep. And at 10 to 7, they all start honking. And I turn to my friend, and I think, this is so Argentina. This is crazy. Like, what? 
How is this going to impact us moving any faster? And he said, just watch. And at that point, the toll booths all lifted their arms and everybody went through for free. Why? Because they knew the game was on at seven. That's awesome. (laughs) I love that. And people understood that, like, that's more important than the government collecting tolls. Sure. we got to get somewhere to watch the game. That is a religion. Right. Uh, that is 100% a religion. <laughs> That's the hand of God. <laughs> All right, Jen, listen, we have to take a station break. Sure. Uh, we have to play some music, and then we'll come back. Will you help me answer a listener question? And we might even have another glass of wine. That would be wonderful. Great. <laughs> You are listening to Just Because by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Brooklyn Slate Company is a collaborative effort from Brooklyn graphic designer Sean Tice and Parsons graduate student Christy Hedeka. After visiting Christy's family slate quarry in upstate New York in the spring of 2009, the two grabbed a few pieces for use as all-purpose boards back home in Brooklyn. They found a number of purposes for the slate and began gifting pieces to friends. The response was so overwhelmingly positive that the two struck out to produce a line of slate products. They now make regular trips to the family quarry in upstate New York to hand-pick their favorite pieces of black and red slate. Some of the slate is sourced from the quarry graveyard, a collection of odd-shaped pieces that were ultimately destined to be ground for use as road cover or baseball diamonds. They then transport the pieces to their studio in Red Hook, Brooklyn, where they do additional cutting and clean the stone to be food slate. Every single piece of packaging that comes with their products, from the envelope to the burlap bag, can be repurposed for other uses. The end result is a product completely unique in cut, shape, color, and overall presentation. For more information and to order, visit brooklynslate.com. Welcome back. This is Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson. Joining me in the studio today is John Steinberg of Hand of Wine Gods. Hand of God. (laughs) That is after one glass. I have had half a glass of wine. (laughs) Located in the beautiful Mendoza, Argentina. Um, so I have a listener question to play for you, and um, a listener needs some food and wine pairing tips. Hey, Chef Emily, this is Jen, and I'm calling from Philadelphia, PA. My question is for your visiting Argentine winemaker. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit familiar with uh, Argentine wines, um, but I'm particularly the white wines, not sure what foods would pair well in order to really make the wine sing. So I was thinking of Chirantes, which is a, a wine that I really enjoy. 
if the if the winemaker has any recommendations for food that would really bring that wine to life. Thanks so much. Are you making all red or are you making some white too? So we are making one very unusual white. Torontes, uh, which uh, was asked about, and we'll talk about that, is an interesting wine a variety. It's You find it, it's probably the most um, associated, white wine associated with Argentina. Okay. Um, and I like it. It's a really fun summer wine. I think of it as a picnic wine almost. Okay. And so that helps think about some pairings already. Uh, we decided to make uh, a wine that literally no one in Argentina is making, and I should probably not say this on the air, but <laughs> they don't even recognize the variety. We had to bring it in under another name. Wow. So we're making a Rhone. Yeah, we're making a Rhone white. So it's a Viognier Marsan Roussan. Wow. It's That's really exciting. exciting. I, yeah. think people are, I think people are going to love it. Um, and it matches with kind of what we both like in terms of Rhone. But in terms of the question that was asked, um, Torontes is a very floral, can be a very floral, as can actually Viognier, although ours is not as floral. Um, and it's, it pairs well with things like apple walnut salad. It, it's good with pastas without, I would probably a, almost a white sauce or like we're at, Roberta's here, you know, get a pizza and maybe have a, a white sauce with it, you know, pork. And you said picnic food, so like yeah. sandwiches. Absolutely, it's like, perfect for something that. Something you're not taking too seriously in terms of culinary preparation. Exactly. So it's, it's great with that. Perfect. There yeah. you go, Jen. There's your answer. I got another uh, message from Wes in Portland, Maine. Wes asks, why are there so many different shapes for wine glasses? And do I really need to have one of each to consider myself a real wine drinker? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have said, too. <laughs> Actually, there's a woman in Napa who has come up with the glass she calls the one. Oh, that's and, good. And it's and she did it for white and for red. And So it's actually two or yeah, it's one? It's the one for that color. Okay, All got right. it. Got right. it. And it can be used for either. Sure. And for most of our palettes, and I will include mine in that, it'll be just fine. Have something that gets aerated, Right. And doesn't have its own flavor, so it's not imparting something onto the wine. And, you know, you, you know, there is a reason champagne flutes are the size they are. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want the bubbles to all go away. Um, and, and, you know, of course, the French have big traditions around these things. And us Americans, we like to sometimes break Port the tradition. Pour jars, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I think, you know, if if we actually use that plastic cup right there for my other wine, you'll still get the flavor of my wine. Sure, yeah. It's not nearly as uh, no, elegant. Yeah. but <laughs> I don't want to insult your wine, believe me. Yeah. Um, okay, so each week I ask the, I, I pose a question of the week that I ask of the listeners. And this week's question that I posed last week was, what's your culinary confession? And I told them two of mine. One is that I love yellow ma- uh, yellow American cheese, and the other is that I don't always wash my dishes on the day that I dirty them. Ooh. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I run a pop-up restaurant in Seattle, and every chef that comes in, I steal the questions from inside the actor's studio. Oh, that's good. And, yeah. and, and you're, you're making me think of some of those questions. But my confession. This is really embarrassing, actually. It should be. No one's listening. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so you should know I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. 
Okay. And I grew up in an era when TV dinners were often the babysitter food, right? Yeah. Parents are gone. You get a TV dinner. We actually kind of look forward to it. But one thing in particular, even to this day, I have to admit that about once a month I have it, and it's Stouffer's Spinach Souffle. Love that let me Let me tell you something. <laughs> you're going to laugh, but do me a favor and go get one, Okay. and you're going to love it. I will totally try one, and I'll let you know how I think Great. about it. Great. I'll be honest, too, and I, you know, I like yellow American cheese because we were not allowed to have it. Right. It was like totally verboten. get it. Now I'm like... I'm a grown-up. I'm a grown-ass woman. I'm going to eat the cheese I want. And I also have, like, fancy good cheese, too. But I know that feeling. I'm like, can I have half a pound of yellow American, please? <laughs> and look around and see, see if anyone's looking. Yeah, I All can right. see you creeping down the frozen food aisle, like, burying it under your... I do. I look around. <laughs> if anyone's here, I'm in big trouble. So how do people find out uh, more about you? You mentioned the pop-up restaurants. So yeah, you're doing so, those <clears throat> all over the place, right? Well, we are. We're, this, is, this is really fun. So... There I am in Seattle three weeks ago thinking to myself, I do these things called the VOOD, the Velvet Underground Dining Experience. Rest in peace, Lou Reed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if, you, if you're at all interested, go to thevood.com. And in fact, go there now because we're doing these three dinners in New York City, which three weeks ago was just a, a dream. And I'm doing it with three different chefs I've never met. Very exciting. All organized through email and phone calls and texting from 3,000 miles away. So I, they seem to be amazing chefs. In fact, you and I were thinking about doing I know, something. It fell apart. It, it, felt, it just it, didn't work. It didn't fall apart. It's on hold until I hold. come back. Perfect. And so the whole idea is really simple. Wine is good. Wine with great food is really good. And wine with really great food and good conversation is memorable. So we're creating these dinners. So we've got one tonight, one tomorrow night with David Santos at Loro, and then we have one Thursday, and they're mostly sold out. But go to thevood.com and um, let us know if you're interested, and we can probably work something out because you're listening today. All right, excellent. And how do people find out more about the wine? Handofgodwines.com. And, and I also started a website called Hand of God Is. For people that want to help me think about how to best explain what it's all about. Oh, that's good. You could have a like an Instagram feed and then exactly. people could take pictures of like, this is the hand of God. It, we have it. Oh, we, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. You're this, excellent will, this will be on it. Awesome. <laughs> well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for so much for taking the time. Um, let's see. I Like I said at the top of the show, don't forget, next week we have... Shonda Tori coming to do the Cooking with Shonda Tori segment. Call me at 862-242-8599. Tweet me at Chef Emily P. Or find me on Facebook forward slash Sharp and Hot. Cooking with Shonda Tori is going to be exciting. Don't forget to drunk dial your questions. As always, we live air on heritageradionetwork.org. Until next week, thanks for listening. Keep playing with fire and knives, people. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>